I was going to start out my sermon today with a demonstration. Two cups. I was going to try and pour equal amounts of water. Keep trying to get them even. I wimped out. I knew I was going to spill it. (laughs) Because there were times, as a young parent... I tried to treat my children equally, working to keep things even (laughs) led to some pretty ridiculous moments. You know, the simplest act can be difficult to replicate exactly, pouring juice or slicing a piece of anything, until a fellow parent wisely told me that being fair is not the same as being equal. One child may need more because of age or temperament, circumstances. So as parents, our job is not only to provide the basic physical needs for our children, but also to teach them about fairness, sharing and empathy for others. So I'm sure other families discovered this, but we discovered the best way to be fair and divided anything in half is to let one person do the cutting while the other person gets to pick their piece. And magically... (laughs) When one person was inclined to slice that brownie, you know, a little bigger, knowing that their brother or sister was going to get to choose, magically those pieces ended up pretty darn equal. The justice in this small domestic situation is not only approaching equality, but each person getting to act on their own behalf and having a choice in the matter. Justice is not only about what you have or don't have, but how you got it or didn't get it. I aim for us to define justice together. And one reason for today's work is justice is a word that shows up in ideas that form the foundation of all Unitarian Universalist churches, including Hope Unitarian Church. As a church, we abide by rules and principles you can easily find online at the UUA website. We're an association of congregations. So if you're new to Hope, or even a longtime member, these pages have things to add to your own spiritual journey. This single document discusses everything from listing our guiding philosophies to details on how painful, minute details on how we conduct all of our business democratically. But that minutia 
is a fine example of a transparent church structure. We're all in this together, and we'll tell you how we do it. So at the beginning of this lengthy and essential document are the overarching principles that bring us together. Quote, We, the member congregations of the Unitarian Universalist Association, covenant together to affirm and promote justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. This means we, Hope Church, have promised to affirm and promote justice, equity, and compassion in all our dealings with each other and with all beyond these limestone walls. Next, this UUA document lists the six sources I mentioned before I started reading, the six sources of our faith. And justice is critical in those sources as well. Quote, The living tradition which we share draws from many sources. One source is words and deeds of prophetic men and women which challenge us to confront powers and structures of evil with justice compassion, and the transforming power of love. We've written that down, and we've signed on to it. Having our eye always on justice is a central value we hold. Throughout the ages, all who have fought injustice and struggled to fight against injustice are our guides. Justice, a notion of justice, undergirds what we're about. Justice. It's in writing because our association, unlike most religious traditions, does not elevate God or any other supreme power as the final arbiter of justice. A god does not reprimand anyone for their sexual orientation or send disease to root out sin. Natural disasters are not a form of divine justice. I cannot predict what happens in the afterlife. Death is part of the great mystery. But I can say, in my theology and understanding of life, a God does not judge and punish after death. I, along with many other Unitarian Universalists, operate on the understanding that justice is human work done in our lifetime. Justice is critical work done in the here and now. Both justice and injustice arise from human actions. Being just as 
is as intimate as family fairness in slicing a brownie and as global as naming and eradicating the human evils of poverty, tyranny, war, censorship, human trafficking. We can go on. All the cancerous isms creating false divisions between us are sources of injustice. Racism, sexism, genderism, ageism, classism, ableism, dogmatism. Our ceaseless task as individuals and as a religious body is to point out these ruptures in the fabric of our lives and work towards restoring and supporting justice. And a vital source of our hope is our belief in our capacity to bring about change in ourselves and in the world. We are not waiting for the divine hand. We are the divine hand intervening. Justice is our task right now. I was raised here in Tulsa by a family not actively attuned to the breadth of injustice in the world. Relatively affluent, I grew up with black maids, lived in an all-white neighborhood, and was educated in a comfortable, insular world of college preparatory schooling during the 60s and 70s. Without the internet, Tulsa as a city, or more specifically this self-protected segment of my city, could remain aloof from the vast international social upheavals of the day. It had very successfully hidden gross injustices from our city's past for more than 50 years. So ignoring what was going on outside came pretty darn naturally. Not until I graduated from college and returned to town did I get my hands on Scott Ellsworth's 1982 book, Death in the Promised Land. I was flabbergasted. I had never learned about Tulsa's race massacre of 1921 in school by my family, in the newspaper, or watching the evening news. And I was not alone in my ignorance. So that book and my subsequent research forever shattered my understanding of how I was raised and how protected I was from racial and economic 
diversity. I never saw Tulsa, my family, the world, nor myself in the same light again. So ever, ever since that awakening, my personal calling has been to continue waking up to visible and invisible injustice. And the work is personal because my upbringing and experience create vast blind spots. We all have blind spots, and they are different blind spots. My job is to find my own. Because individually, I, as well as we, will never have a comprehensive understanding of justice and injustice by ourselves alone. Seeking justice is communal and collective. Because in meaningful contact with others, is the only way to shine light into those blind spots. Understanding injustice means carefully listening to the experiences of others with an open mind, with an open heart. I became a minister because I want to be surrounded and inspired by others to create more justice in the world, in the here and now. I want to be with others willing to step outside their comfort zone to witness to the harsh and cruel reality of imposed social, cultural, and historical limitations. And my leadership role as minister must be collaborative to model working alongside others. Justice and change cannot be long-lived or healthy if born out of tyranny, fear, or arrogance. Together, we are the most powerful. So I fully agree with a definition of justice from an activist and social ethicist, Marvin Ellison. He says, justice is the ongoing, never-ending journey to remake community by strengthening relationships. Justice is the ongoing, never-ending journey to remake community by strengthening relationships. I like it. I like his definition because it contains valuable key concepts. Just work is ongoing, never done. It is indeed a creative journey as new insights and possibilities open up to us. It requires community. His, his, his definition embodies the Jewish notion that the world has a tear in its fabric. Because he doesn't say make community, but remake. Our job as humans is to repair that rend, to remake community by strengthening it. 
And then the very last word in Ellison's definition of justice, relationships, is the focal point around which everything revolves. Without reaching out to make new relationships, restore broken ones, justice cannot be. Unitarian Universalists, we're all about relationships. It bears repeating that we're, we gather under this promise of how we want to be in relationship to each other. We don't sit here because we all share the same theology or philosophy. We sit here under one domed roof precisely because we do not all think alike. Hallelujah. We are curious about differences. Our differences are our vital fuel for new understanding, new empathy, and new potential. Our covenant is the adhesive that holds us together justly. So living up to this vision is a difficult challenge when we see that in spite of our best efforts, there seems to be no end to poverty and violence and injustice in the world, it's easy to become hopeless, fall prey to anger, disillusionment, or even cynicism. This burnout is another reason justice flourishes in community. When one person can work no longer for whatever reason, they step back, and another can step forward. And still another can bring renewing energy. I've, I've seen this dance of justice work in this church over the past year. Take the work Hope Church does each month feeding the homeless. First off, we're part of a larger community of religious and civic organizations who provide meals to the day center for the homeless. Already this rotation spreads the burden so no one group is cooking all the meals. But then several HOPE members serve as leaders in this congregation's participation. And I want to mention them by name because this work of justice happens on weekends and partly off-site. We don't always get to see it. So Jean Coffee and Keith Hamilton and Maureen Gilliland and Mary Newman and Joan Shulin and Maggie Scott, Emma Tracy, Linda Tracy, and Anita Ward keep this feeding the homeless going. That's the leadership. But then countless others of us in our congregation have shopped, chopped, cooked, and served, stepping forward, stepping back, as schedules and energy and time allows. So everyone who has participated in Feed the Homeless over the years, raise your hand. And keep it raised and look around. Thank you. Thank you for this critical justice work. I invite everyone else to sign up at least once this year to help us feed the homeless. You can sign up in a notebook. 
out in our fellowship hall, always sitting on the administrator's desk. Or during our committee fair next week. It's justice work, not because we are merely filling someone's stomach. But going down to the day center is one step in remaking community, in in actually beginning relationships. It's the beginning of giving a human face to our homeless crisis and to understand the complexity of the issue This charitable work is one of the many ways this church supports relieving the hurt and pain in our community. It is what Martin Luther King calls love and application. Justice is at its best, he proclaims. Justice at its best is love, correcting everything that stands against love. Although, (laughs) love can be such a maudlin, sappy, superficial idea. So to avoid this human tendency to romanticize and simplify love and our culture's oversaturation with hearts and smiley faces and sound bites. Theologian Paul Tillich brings another essential ingredient into justice. Power. Power and love have to come together to create justice. Love without power leads to sentimentality. Power without love leads to cynicism tyranny. So power is not always a topic we're comfortable talking about. Like love, it can be a stew of overgeneralizations and power here does not mean violence or brute force, but rather cooperation. We are talking about working together by choice rather than coercion. Justice and power must be brought together so that whatever is just may be powerful and whatever is powerful may be just. Says Blaise Pascal, that mathematician in 17th century France. So returning to our domestic view of justice, Others may slice the pie, but justice requires offering a piece as well as accepting the power of having a say in which piece you take. This year, our church is recently stepping into another kind of justice work, community-wide organizing. As the Tulsa Sponsoring Committee takes shape, we will be joining with congregations and civic organizations to cultivate power and love in the name of justice. This new model suits our church philosophy well because 
It is grounded in forming relationships. We will begin with ourselves, creating house meetings where we can sit side by side together and discuss what is most critical in our lives. Unlike all other church discussions, we won't be talking about church governance or parsing philosophical terms or planning a social event. Instead, we'll be looking into our own lives and sharing what matters to our families. I know from being here a year that many of the immediate concerns people in this congregation have include coping with a lack of reliable transportation. This includes not being able to drive at night or not being able to drive when you're disabled. Others desperately, desperately want a first-class public education system for children and grandchildren. Many of you are directly impacted by not having adequate social services, mental health services, health care. We look prosperous on Sunday morning, but some are struggling under mounting debt, medical costs, increasing utility bills, fixed income, In sharing our stories with each other, common problems and injustices will present themselves. As other congregations and institutions around our city have similar frank and thoughtful conversations, we will no doubt find the problems we face are not unique. We are not alone. Whether you're a caregiver, a parent, a worker, a retiree, you're not alone. Ultimately, coming together with others around the city to build a coalition of power is how justice will begin to take shape. The love in this justice work will be very familiar, similar to what we practice in our church. We need not think alike to love alike. So we'll practice outside in the community what we practice inside our church. We'll cultivate power and love with those whose religious beliefs are different than our own, whose skin colors are different than our own, and whose education, social, economic achievements are quite different from our own. So brought together by a common disdain for injustice and desire for justice, together we can assist the voiceless in our community in speaking so those with elected or economic power begin to listen. Friday, I heard a story about a UU church in Missouri transformed by this community justice work. 
One of their staunch atheists wanted nothing to do with any other church. Still, she reluctantly joined her friends and went to one of the initial community organizing meetings. She discovered others who were dealing with the problem of harsh drug sentencing and children in prison, just like she was. She was galvanized and attended community organizing trainings. Over time, she became the leader of one of the groups, working on prison justice, served on the board of the community organizing group, and now recruits anyone she can, no matter their religious persuasion. She has friends, people she would call friends, who are evangelical and Catholic and Jewish, the polar opposite of what she sees in the world. But they agree to love alike and work together. And they have made significant inroads in changing some of the ineffective and unnecessarily punitive jail laws in that city. So we won't be the only ones transformed by our participation. Others in Tulsa will be changed by our perspectives and our passions. Other churches and organizations need to hear from us that you need not think alike to love alike. So let me tell you a flip side story about this same group in Missouri. They had this large community-wide meeting, and a person at the end of the meeting was dying to get up and say something, and talk, you know, raised her hand to the moderator. The moderator called on her, yes, you may come up, and she started out, I am so thrilled to be walking in the footsteps of Jesus with And the moderator leaned over and said, Don't forget, we have many Jews here today. She nodded her head right now. I am so happy to be following God together as we work. And he tapped on her shoulder and leaned over again. It reminded her that there were many Unitarian Universalists working with them, too. She nodded her head, took a deep breath, and in her loudest, most sincere voice said, I am ecstatic to work with each one of you to bring a united voice on these tragedies of contaminated groundwater and destructive environmental policies. And everyone stood up and applauded wildly. Love plus power equals justice. We have a chance to add this larger scale of justice making as this Tulsa organization takes shape and we help birth it. There's a weekend long training coming up in mid-October and trust me, you'll hear about it. For those who want to jump right into learning what this work means, it will transform you on the way to transforming hope and transforming our city. And then tonight, a different kind of justice, and I have to cough. Tonight is an interfaith vigil 
for justice, that our name is on the flyer. And this vigil is at Metropolitan Baptist Church at 6 o'clock. It came together rather quickly. There are flyers out in the fellowship hall. And this is an opportunity to see Metro Baptist's brand new campus, if you have not seen their church, and to begin creating those relationships in love with those who are different. Because we'll gather with all those who are concerned with race, policing, gun violence, and in being a healthy community together. So no matter your opinions about the events in Ferguson, Missouri, Tulsa has a wake-up call to create relationships across all the various boundaries that divide us geographically, racially, economically. Love, power, and justice. We, Hope Church, have covenanted to affirm and promote justice in all our dealings with each other and with all beyond these walls. So I look forward this year to both the familiar and different ways we combine love and power to increase justice in our world. May it be so.